You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, thank you. All right, so uh, shooting straight with our kids, part two. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, Colossians is, of course, our text. And I'm going to read Colossians as well as Ephesians. I'm going to do these uh, <clears throat> fairly quickly here just to get right into the message. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Colossians 3.21, lest they be discouraged. Then the companion verse to this is Ephesians 6.4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then the, the title of the message, we go back to Psalm 127, where the Bible says, Lo, Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that have his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. <clears throat> so, shooting straight with our kids, again, part two, we're going to uh, continue the thought of uh, the, the, the planning, the preparation, the purpose that we think about in regards to uh, raising uh, children for the glory of God. And I have heard it said, I think there's something true to the statement that says, uh, even, even with the terminology raising children. Someone once said that that's one of the problems in America is that we're raising children instead of raising adults. Uh, and, 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 and I don't know if that's ever been more true than it is today. Uh, the, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, he came over to America a number of years ago, and not that I care about too much what he had to say, but it was interesting what he had to say in regards to children. Uh, a couple of things he said, he noticed the way children and the, 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 the parent and child relationship of something he noticed. And so there was two different things he said. Uh, number one, uh, he said, I find it interesting that in America, and this is going back a number of years ago, how he said everything in America is controlled by switches except for the children. Everything in America is controlled by switches except for the children. And then he said uh, another thing he added was he, was he was impressed on how well parents obey their children in America. <clears throat> so those were some observations uh, from him, probably going back, you know, 30, 40 years or so. Uh, but the, the, the point is, is that, uh, that God, it blesses us. I mean, by, the Bible says, happy is the man that have his quiver full of children. And it's a blessing to have children placed into our hands. And the Bible says, these are like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And of course, the point that we were making last week... <clears throat> I love that we have these branch and uh, arrow holders, you know, bow holders up here. But, uh, you know, the point that we were making last week is that, that you didn't go down to shills and buy uh, arrows back in uh, ancient times. You made <coughs> your arrows. So when God first puts children into our hands, they're not ready to be shot out like this. There's work to be done. And we're the ones that have to have the work. We're the ones that have to envision and see and say, okay, I, I want this arrow to shoot straight. There's coming a time, and man, I mean, I, I, I'm in a place right now to where we've already shot one arrow off, Hannah. 
uh, you know, and, and, and she is, and praise God, she has flown over and is in the ministry now. Praise the Lord, and, and a grandbaby on the way in March. March uh, 12th, I believe. Probably should really know that. It's not 12th, 13th, 14th, 11th. What is it? 11th. Uh, <laughs> I really am excited. I just don't, I get confused on days, okay? Uh, but then, but then now Caitlin, you know, she's, uh, she's getting married in May, and so, and then, man, it blows my mind to have the kids, you know, uh, have a uh, junior and a freshman uh, right now, and so, but it's our job to try to get them ready to shoot. I mean, to get this down to something you're ready to launch into the world, and the convicting part is, I think about this, this goes with all leadership, by the way. From leadership in the home to leadership outside of the home. You know what I think about when I've seen problems arise with people within Elk Point Baptist Church? A lot of times I think to myself, one of the very first things I think is about it being a failure on my part. Before I get too frustrated with somebody, I think, you know what? I could have shown some more leadership in their life. I could have spent more time with them. And so before I get too frustrated, and I feel that way with the kids, if, uh, and now listen, this does not mean that you can't do your utmost and, and a kid still turn out the wrong way. I'm not saying that, okay? Uh, but what I am saying is to give them the best chance to fly straight and to fly in the direction that God would, and hit the mark that God would have them to hit. God has given us instructions in the Word, and we can do our best to give them the best opportunity to fly straight and to fly right and to hit the mark in their lives. Uh, I thank God for the grace that he's, that he's shown, but I, you know, I often fear, I mean, here I am, some of you have kids already out of the house just like me, some of you may already have grandkids, uh, and man, if I'm not careful, I can beat myself up about what I haven't done, or what I have done that's wrong, and I still do it to this day, but I'm not going to spend time up here telling you about how bad I feel like I've done sometimes, okay, uh, but I do want to try to give the instructions that God gives on how that we can get get our children down to the bible talks about a polished shaft you know that arrow that's ready to fly and ready to go and so the bible does give us instructions on that i found it interesting we spent last week primarily talking about the admonition that we read there in colossians and ephesians i find it very very interesting that the two passages that specifically talk about raising children both of them are telling parents uh, to be an encouragement to their kids. Both of them are saying, don't provoke your kids. I mean, you know, literally, both of those passages, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Don't discourage your kids. Uh, you know, Ephesians, provoke not your children to wrath, uh, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I find it interesting that the Bible is, God tells parents, and we don't think of it that way oftentimes, do we? And there, there's, there's something that that reveals to us, and, and, and I believe that we can allude to it as we go on, because the very first admonition is to lift our children, to be an encouragement to our children, to not put our children down, not to, last week we were, we were talking about blessing and cursing our children, not to curse our children, um, not to tell our kids they're so dumb. Or tell our kids they'll never amount to anything. Or tell our kids, or just point out whatever uh, imperfections. Uh, I, I, it blows my mind, you know, uh, some, some of you may have even endured these things to where uh, so, sometimes a parent may put down yourself, put, uh, discourage you with your self-image. 
you know, a parent's always talking about someone's weight or someone's appearance or something like that, and that just gets in their mind and sticks with them uh, for the rest of their lives. And it becomes something, by the grace of God, I say you can overcome, but it is something you have to overcome. It is a challenge. Um, and so lift our children, encourage our children. And so I want to kind of preface the rest of what we say with that in context. Um, but I do want to also remind you of this. Um, everything we're saying tonight and everything that we've said from, from husbands and wives to, to children obeying to parents raising children, I want to remind you of the full context starts, number one, with Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How are you going to be the wife that God tells you to be? How are you going to be the husband that God wants you to be? Kids, how are you going to obey your parents that you feel like are so wrong and don't get it? How are you going to do that, parents? How are we going to raise our kids in these ways? I'll tell you how. We better be filled with the Holy Spirit of God because we do not have the capability to really do what needs to be done without the power of the Holy Ghost of God working in our lives. Um, Colossians uh, also. So be filled filled with the Spirit or spilled with the Spirit. I like like that. I I might just use that. It, It applies. You're filled with the Spirit. Then you get spilled with the Spirit. What you, that may not be theologically sound, but here's what I mean by that. Uh, you know, you've heard me say it before, but uh, I, I do it all the time. My, my wife just shakes her head every single time. I've told you before. I don't know why I've got to fill up my coffee mug the way I do. I, I fill it up to where it is an absolute, uh, you know, it's an absolute uh, balancing act. I'm like, what, what is the, the Melinda family? or whatever? I got to be like that in order to get to my chair with my coffee because it's there filled all the way up to the rim, Ron, and it's leaking. But here's the point. What, what comes out when I'm walking through there with that cup of coffee is what that mug's full of. That mug's full of coffee, so there's not Pepsi falling on the floor and there's not water falling on the floor and running down my hand and burning it. It's coffee because when you get jostled, what comes out? Whatever you're full of. Amen. Whatever you're full of is what comes out when you get shaken. So maybe you can be spirit, uh, spirit spilled. Maybe we should edit that part. Anyway, that might not work. All right, but anyway, uh, we got to preface and understand all that. Now, Ephesians gives us the instruction there again in Ephesians 6, 4, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, so we've got to lift our children But now it needs to be balanced with something else. We need to lift our children. That's the command. But we also understand through this command that we also need to limit our children. Limit our children. Uh, The Bible says bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's interesting. That word nurture is used uh, another time. That word nurture is used in 2 Timothy 3.16 where the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, here it is, instruction in righteousness. That word instruction is the same word for nurture. Instruction in righteousness. I think that's important because we have the Bible to help instruct our kids. It's used, I think, four other times in Hebrews chapter number 12, the word nurture, but there it's translated chastening. Chastening. Now remember, understand this, there's a difference between chastening and scourging. Some people think chastening is scourging. Chastening isn't scourging. 
uh, uh, chastening is basically instruction. Uh, chastening can be a firm talking to. Uh, scourging is when you get the switch out, so to speak, all right? That's more of the scourging part. But chastening, I'm glad, by the way, I'm telling you, the way people try to interpret the Bible sometimes, if, we, if, we really, if, if God really treated us the way we think God wants us to treat our kids, you know, because uh, some people think you just got to spank your kid every time for every little thing that ever. I'm glad God don't do that. I'm glad God sometimes says, now, son, what are you thinking here? Uh, because did you know that from a, uh, now, teens, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. And parents, I don't know if you're aware of this. But it, it, it's, it's usually beyond the teen years when there's a certain part of the brain that develops that actually thinks ahead a lot of times when it comes to consequences. And so sometimes you could literally ask a kid, well, what were you thinking? And their honest answer could really be, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. It's just, it was there, and I just did it, and, and I'm not trying to give an excuse. I can, I can just imagine some teenager, well, I don't have, my brain's not fully developed. I can't make right decisions. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying that, they need some instruction from the Word of God, uh, instruction from God's Word. Um, we, talk, we mentioned this last week, how strong, strongly spiritual education was emphasized in the Old Testament. Again, when I'm talking about raising kids here, I'm not trying to set myself up as an expert by any means whatsoever, okay? Uh, I have uh, failed up one way and down the other as a dad, and I'm just telling you that right now. And I continue to do so, and honestly, some of that is totally without excuse at all. Uh, I should be doing better as a dad even to this day, so pray for me, uh, and I'll pray for you. But I know that one of the things that we've tried to do, the Bible says, with all that getting, get understanding. I have tried to instruct our kids, and when I'm telling them about what's right or what's wrong or what we should do and what we shouldn't do, I've always tried to say, here's what God said. And even from the time they were just little ones uh, that were disobeying and rebelling, I would say, do you know why you're rebelling? Do you know why that you want to go again? Because the Bible says that, we, that you're a sinner. You've, we've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And from, a, from the earliest age possible, man, you know how smart kids are? I mean, listen to Anna for about five minutes, okay? Uh, you, know how, you know how smart kids are? Uh, they learn and pick up and soak in a lot. And I'm telling you, if we can take the time to start getting the Word of God in them and teaching them lessons, uh, man, uh, it's, 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 an, it's incredible what the kids can learn at an early age, and it impacts their tender hearts. So... Spiritual education was emphasized in the Old Testament. We talked about how that the memorials and the feast, God said, I want you to do this, and I want you to set up this memorial so that in time to come, your kids will say, now why are we having this feast here? Why are we, uh, what's this monument about over here? And he said, I want you to do that so that you can then teach and instruct your kids. Uh, the Bible says, I love the way the Bible says we're supposed to instruct our kids. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6 is a great example where the Bible says, how are you supposed to instruct them? You're supposed to instruct them when you're sitting around. When you get up. <laughs> when you're walking by the way. I've always tried to look for examples. And even if it's just, even if it's just something uh, to where I've said to the kids, man, look up at the stars tonight. 
Man, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the, and the heaven uh, shows His uh, handiwork. You know, and just saying, man, isn't God good? Isn't that animal amazing? Isn't, look at the wheat grow, Whatever it is, and just as you go, I've always tried to have my, my antennas up to think about ways that we're going through life. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You need to be in the Word of God. But you can think of ways to go through life. I think one lesson that Hannah says she remembers to this, Hey, and I'm telling you, she, she, was, uh, she was definitely under the age of 10, but I remember we were in a, in a mountain stream in North Carolina, and we were out there, and we were on this, uh, this smooth rock out on this mountain stream. And I remember uh, saying to her, I said, man, I said, look at this rock. And I said, just think about the way the water has been washing over this rock for all these years and, and getting it smooth. And I picked up a, a smaller stone, and I said, look at that, would you? I said, that thing, and I started talking about David and Goliath. And I said, just how the water had prepared the stones that were in that brook for David. And I said, you know, in the Bible... Water is a picture of well, two things, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And that's how God can do in our lives. He can work on us, and over time, He can smooth off our rough edges to where we can be in a place to where He can use us, to where He can use us to do something to defeat the giants. You know, you just try to think of lessons that you can share with your children as you go along the way and and and, and the, the nurture the admonition of the lord so uh, it, it goes with learning. We have a responsibility to set standards and define limits because this point that I'm trying to give you tonight is to limit our children. We need to lift our children. We need to limit our children. Um, we need to set standards, define limits, and enforce discipline with our children. Uh, one thing I believe with all my heart that we've really tried to live by and there's a reason. I've tried to live by, if I tell you once, that's good enough. How many times do I need to tell you? Once. Why? Because, and I'll tell them, listen, I know this is tough, but there's an important reason why I want you to listen one time. I want to tell you once. Because I want the first time God speaks to your heart, I want you to learn to say yes. I want you to learn to respond the first time. I don't want to be the parent that says that's always wavering, that's up and down. I don't want to be a parent whose word doesn't matter or mean anything. I don't want to be a parent that says, I'm going to count to three. One, two. I've already told you now, I'm going to do it again. Ooh, that'll straighten the kids out. Let them hear one, two again. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to say one, two again. No. We said it. Do it. We said it. Do it. I want my kids to learn that. Children need to learn. Why? Because we are put in a place. God lets us have children. God lets us, as parents, He lets us, you know, He uses us in His, His creative process. By bringing kids into this world. It's a, it's a miracle, isn't it? The miracle of childbirth and conception and the whole thing. It's wonderful. Uh, but then he also uses us to be the very first example of and, the, and the, uh, to, to be a picture of God within the home. That first authority that God gives. And so it's important how our kids learn to respond to authority. 
And it's also very important the kind of authority that we show forth. The Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. But the Bible also tells us how this can be done, listen to me, intelligently. Intelligently, reasonably, and lovingly. I started thinking about this. Provoke not your children to wrath. What are some ways that children could be provoked to wrath? Or, or what are some ways, that, and, and to be provoked to wrath, I want to uh, give that to you again, if I could here, uh, just to try to get you the actual word. Provoke, provoke means to rouse to anger, to fight, to excite, or to irritate. Of course, discourage means to dishearten or to, uh, to break their spirit, to discourage. Um, so what are some ways that a child can be either provoked or discouraged? Anybody? Hold them to standards they cannot meet. That's a good one. Anybody ever been there? Parents holding you to a standard that you cannot meet? Uh, what's some other things? And, and kids, you're living there, so you can say as well, Deidre, comparing siblings, you know. Yeah, Evan's doing this. Why is Natalie not? Nat Natalie, why are you not doing as good as your brother's doing with this? Uh, can you tell me, by the way? Uh, so no, we, uh, we don't do that. Please understand our sarcasm in our house, okay? Uh, if, if, if we broke that off, we would have, we'd break off so much communication within our home. Uh, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When, when parents not listening, not making an effort to understand. Because we talked about it, didn't we, teenagers? And, you know, I'm looking at the teens now, but this comes from the smallest age. You know, parents really don't always understand. But one of the things that we can try to do is try to understand and I've told you before, as a, as, a, as a parent of teenagers, there's times I say, I know I don't really understand. But I, but I also say, I don't believe you understand either. But I said, one thing I do want you to understand is that I love you and that I'm really trying to make the best decision here. And I may be wrong, but remember, remember what to do, teenagers? If you're, the Bible says to obey your parents. So if your parents are doing wrong, what do you need to do? Disobey or obey, number one, obey. But number two, what's the next thing you need to do? Who's the one that told you to obey? God. So if God is the one telling you to obey and your parents are doing wrong, who do you need to go talk to about your parents? God. And I am as serious as I can be. When I have told my teenagers, or little kids for that matter, and with all seriousness, I believe I'm doing the right thing here. I may not be, but I'm, I'm trying. And I'm serious. Go tell God, Evan. Go tell him right now. Go tell him to change my heart. Tell him to change my mind. Tell him I'm wrong about this. Emily? Language barrier. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right, you know, but that's another thing with kids because I'm talking to teens, but that does. We, I know a lot of us and, and people that are listening, uh, you know, are thinking about that. They're little kids bringing it because there's a lot of this that applies especially to that. Absolutely, and that, that can be so frustrating because you're trying your best to understand. Uh, Deidre again? Yeah, your parents ground you from the Baptist church. That can be, uh, that, that's another thing that parents can do. I mean, uh, yeah, Rachel.
I'm going to use Rachel's as a segue. You got me there, Rachel, okay? Uh, and there's a lot more that could be said. The thing is, honestly, moms and dads, some of us, again, remember, I, think, I acknowledged this last week. Some of us, that's how we learned. Dads, how are you supposed to do with your sons? Were you supposed to yell at them and throw them against the wall? And, and I can say, by the grace of God, I've never thrown uh, Evan up against the wall or anything. But how are you supposed to? That, that's how we've learned. Well, that's how my dad did. That's how I'm going to do. You know, it's like, well, and, and again, a parent may be doing that just because that's all they know. But what I'm trying to say is, and, and encourage all of us in, is to try to see and look at God's example and say, okay, it don't have to be that way. Um, and, 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 and I started thinking about being at the heart of whatever we do as parents, whether it's teenagers, little ones, whatever it may be, at the heart of everything we do. Teenagers, listen for the time that God blesses you with children one day, that at the heart of it, I don't want to provoke my kids to wrath. I don't want to discourage my kids. I don't want to discourage my kids. And it's hard when you're, when you're correcting your kids. It's hard when you're disciplining your kids. You say, how am I supposed to do that without discouraging them or making them mad? Well, the point is, is I'm not provoking them. They may not like being disciplined, but at least to Rachel's point, I started thinking about this. I started thinking about wrath, anger. Those are the two words that were used there. There's a lot to what Rachel is saying. What you're given, a lot of times what you're going to get back. And parents, unfortunately, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, God wants us to behave maturely. Okay? Which means, I started thinking about this. And this just right before church, man. I'm glad I just I was praying about it. I was looking over the message again. And really, what we're given is a lot of times what we're getting back. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 8, I'm going to hit these quick. I got the list here if you want to write these down later. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Proverbs 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Slow to wrath. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stirreth up anger. All right? Uh, kids, teenagers, whatever age you might be, and the and this goes with us adults too. This verse doesn't just apply to kids, but I got to tell you just a quick story there. And I think we're working on a part three here, aren't we? Because I'm just on point number two still. But uh, uh, I, I told you the story. I'm, I'm embarrassed about it. But, you know, one of the worst things that can ever happen to a dad is for people to leave the lights on, all the lights in the house. Worst thing ever, right? And I'm kind of being, I'm kind of teasing there. Uh, by the way, have, have any of you teenagers or any of you adults ever been spending the night with somebody? and you were the one that left out or, or didn't turn out the lights, and then all of a sudden, who left this light on? Isn't that the word? You're like, oh, my gosh, it was me. Uh, but I can remember uh, just one night, I was, I was going downstairs, I think, just for uh, one little last trip before I was coming up to bed, and, I mean, it looked, like, it looked like we were trying to get the attention of somebody from outer space. I mean, every light was on. And I'm going through, oh, golly, what, what's these people's... You know this costs money, and I'm downstairs. I want to know who left these lights on. And I'm stomping up the stairs, you know, not doing what I'm supposed to be doing here. In other words, I'm, I'm being the big brat, okay? That's why I said God wants us to be the mature ones. I'm being the big stompy brat coming upstairs showing how out of control I am. And a, and a soft little voice uh, comes out of her room, and it was Natalie saying, Daddy, it was me. I'm sorry. 
and the big old bear turned into a little squirrel or something. I don't know, and I'm just like, okay, honey, when the next time? And she had a soft answer. But what if she would have responded? So she was more wise than me. She was being more of the adult in that situation than I was being. Uh, but a, that soft answer turned away wrath. What if she would have said, I don't know why you're always yelling, Dad. And why don't blah, 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 blah. What would it have turned into? And it would have been my fault. But it would have turned into a big uh, ruckus and uproar and carrying on and everything else. But instead, a soft answer just shut it all down in a hurry. Try it sometime. Try God's word sometimes. Amen. Um, let all bitterness, Ephesians 4.31. Let dads, moms, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. You see how anger and, and, and what we say is connected? Anger, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. We might get angry, but we need to learn, and some of us, I'm telling you, I, I, I know I say stupid stuff sometimes, and it's okay for you to get aggravated me when I say stupid stuff, but I get aggravated when people say stupid stuff like this. You know, well, I'm just going to say what's on my mind. I'm mad and I'm going to let everybody know it. No, no, no. Well, you might do that, but the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. You're not wise if you do that. You're wise if you just say, man, that really made me mad, but I'm going to walk away a second. I'm going to take a couple breaths, and I'm going to process it. I'm going to get myself under control here. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not hasty in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. I've known people that are proud about how mad they are and angry they are, but the Bible says that anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than, than he that taketh the city. Ephesians 4, 26, Be ye angry and sin not, let, the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Last week we read James 1, 20, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But man, I wish I'd have looked at the verse before that. James 1.19 says this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man... And this, this goes to teens, adults, grandparents, single people. It don't matter. But it really applies to what we're talking about. Listen, parents, be swift to hear. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. That applies to all of us. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Don't be so quick to get your two cents in there. Uh, we have to be, and what this takes again is spiritual maturity. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I got to tell you one more embarrassing story about me, besides me preaching long and not knowing how to stop. Um, we were coming home one day. We'd been up at, uh, up at the Ruckman's when they were up in Hoven, South Dakota, whatever. I remember we were coming back from a camp meeting, and I can't remember what was going on, but I know that there were some kids in the back that were fighting and fussing and carrying on and you know one said one thing and one said the other and uh and this is years ago so i, I you know I, I can't remember who was involved but it doesn't really matter it was but it was one of the it was it was a couple of the four at least and uh and they're just getting kind of loud and they're getting mad and you know they're, they're not showing much self-control they're showing anger and <laughs> And, and there I am up in the front seat, Sarah Sue, and, and, I, and I'm driving, and I'm just like, it's getting on my last nerve. And then finally, Nathan, I, I say, temperance! You know what 
know what temperance means? Self-control. And I'm up there screaming, temperance! If y'all don't quit being angry, you know, it's like, okie dokie then. And, and Melanie, honestly, it, it, it brought a lot of levity to the situation because literally Melanie, man, God bless her heart. I love that woman. Uh, she just busted out laughing. That was her response to them back there yelling. Then I'm up here yelling, show some self-control for goodness sake. Um, so, but we, we do need to indeed show temperance. Uh, I'm going to finish this point, and then we'll, uh, we'll just have to quit once again tonight. You know, a lot of people don't think kids want limits, and kids may not even think they want limits, but there's some, there's some studies that show that if you don't set limits, that a child uh, subconsciously feels rejected. God set limits in the Garden of Eden. I talked earlier about indulgent children. I mentioned that. Sometimes we don't set boundaries for our kids. Because we feel guilty for not maybe giving enough time to our kids. Not being the parents we ought to be. So what we do is we indulge our kids. You know, it, it can be a sad situation sometimes when you've got, when you've got a broken home. When you've got a, a, a husband and wife or, or, or two that are divorced. And, and, uh, and, and so what happens is sometimes those parents feel the need to be indulgent to their kids and not set limits for their kids uh, because they feel guilty uh, for being apart and not being there in their lives on a regular basis. Uh, you know, there's, there's a modern Freudian thought, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. Uh, they, they say when it comes to the, the modern thought about discipline and correction and limits for kids is, you know, if, if, you, if you get home tonight and Junior is trying to saw the leg off of the kitchen table, you try to make sure he's got a sharp saw so the poor deer doesn't get discouraged, you know. It is amazing. Any of you kids work in daycare? Anybody work in daycare? I know a couple of you have. It's amazing the things they learn now. What is it? I, there's, there's words, and I think this is across the board, but is it, what are some of the words you can't say? No. No is a no-no. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? What, don't? Right? Any of these negative, you can't say that. You can't use those words uh, in many daycares. Maybe all of them if you follow. Is that something? No. Oh, oh dear. Uh, I don't know how you say it, but I guess you've got to practice it. Uh, basically, don't be hitting this girl. Here, go over here and hit the drum instead. You're doing good. I'm glad you got all that strength and energy, but let's use it on a drum or something. You know? Uh, and, and so there, there's a lot, of, and I understand when it comes to daycare, I understand that there's more uh, going on there. You know, it's, it's not the parents or the grandparents or a family member or, or a guardian and in, in, in what you may think of it as. But the point is, is that that's oftentimes the way it can be. But I'll just give you a couple of these things. Um, a couple of things that we can limit or teach our kids in. Uh, we, we ought to try to teach our kids to work for what they get. We still do call allowance allowance for whenever they do get it, but the idea is is they've got to work for it. You know, they, they know they've got chores that have to be done if they're going to get an, get an allowance. Um, 
But, but, but regardless, uh, make sure they work for what they get. Learn the value of a dollar. Learn how much. Learn that things cost work, right? I mean, how much work does it take to purchase this? It's actually work. Uh, we need to refrain from giving our child too many freebies. We need to not let TV, YouTube, social media, etc. serve as a babysitter for our kids. Um, and it's not just the content, but these things can absorb the natural creativity and high energy uh, can be dissipated into passive activity. And kids aren't learning to get out and, and do stuff, you know, and use their energy. And you just got people, it's just, it's almost a, an epidemic. And, uh, and speaking of epidemics, you know, uh, I've mentioned pornography before, uh, but pornography is a real epidemic in our world. Uh, and there's a reason why I told you this. I, I went to a, uh, a conference a couple of years ago that was, that was addressing the issues of sex trafficking uh, and, and associated with pornography because really what, what a lot of the sex traffickers, a lot of the people do is they're trying to reenact things they've seen. And uh, it's just a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And of course, child pornography is just like uh, just the number one uh, seller. It's just a twisted, messed up world. Uh, but the average age, I believe it was, I came back from that conference two years ago, and I was shocked when I come back and I told you that the average age that a kid looks at pornography, I think, I can't remember if it was eight or nine at that time, or nine or ten, but it just blew my mind. Oh my goodness, can you believe that? I just heard an updated statistic, now it's seven years old. Seven years old. Uh, the average age a child sees pornography. Um, wonder why that is. It used to be hard for us to go try to hope, our, hope one of our friends stole his dad's magazine or something like that, or, or you know what I mean, from what, what it was for some of us. But man, we put these things in our kids' hands, you know, and it's so accessible. And I'm telling you right now, there are predators out there. Uh, matter of fact, when, when, when a kid is playing a, an online, a video game that's connected to, you know, the web, that you have, I mean, I'm talking, I can't remember how many, but it's like literally hundreds of thousands of people that are sent, that are trying to friend uh, kids on certain games and stuff like that. Uh, these predators, I mean, it's just amazing. Parents, it's a world that we can't even understand. But I'm telling you, we need to, we need to make an effort to understand what's going on there. But, uh, so, uh, but, but it's not even just the content. Really, it's just the passive activity that, that energy is just dissipated into that passiveness. Uh, make a child do what they're told to do. Make them complete uh, projects. Um, keep in mind that children will push against limits. Uh, we'll get into more of this next week when we, maybe when we talk about train up a child in the way they should go. The Bible doesn't just say teach a child. Train up a child in the way they should go also doesn't mean uh, bring them to church two times a week. You should do that. But that is not the extent of training up a child. Uh, you ever see the, the effort? Uh, this next week, all right. Effort people put into training a dog or something. Everything about that, you got these guys that will train their dogs, and it makes you wonder, man, I wonder how well behaved their kids are. And what happens is their dog is locked up at night in the kennel, and their kids are out running around who knows where. Is that a shame? Anyway, that's another message, all right? So I'm stopping right there. We need, to, we need to lift our kids, but we also need to limit our kids. Amen? All right, let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you.